Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our 7th Heaven Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, uh, just a couple of messages and interactions with our lovely listeners. Uh, first, we'd like to thank uh, one of our Facebook listeners, Matt, who let us know that actually the reason that Barry Watson is uh, is no longer a regular on 7th Heaven was because um, he was going through... Uh, Treatment for lymphoma. Yeah. Um, Good news, obviously, he's in remission now, Um, and actually he finished his treatment in October of 2002, so like a couple of months, or a month into the season. Yeah, so he, he, it wasn't like a a long, arduous treatment process for him, so uh, that's good for him. And uh, actually, he ended up working behind the scenes since he couldn't um, act because of the chemotherapy, and uh, apparently he helped in the writing of a few of the 7th Heaven episodes. So we'll try to keep a lookout to see if there's any specific ones he did work on. Um, Another uh, fan interaction is uh, one of our listeners, Megan, sent us a couple of tweets. Uh, She already knows that I won't like Kevin, so that's great. And uh, she just kind of had a couple questions about what our predictions are for the future, or well, mine, I guess, because Aaron's already watched. Um, specifically, if I, if I, when do I think everybody's going to find out about Matt and Sarah? And um, questions about the wedding. Unfortunately, we got these after we recorded yeah, we that episode. Yeah, we already recorded those episodes, so we couldn't address them uh, then, but we're... But we'll address the fact that the fact that Matt and, Matt and Sarah still have not been really brought up yet. We haven't seen them, first of all, obviously. Oh, yeah, in season seven, so. And we're on episode three now, and nobody's really brought them up at all, like, just on... They've just been like, oh, and Matt's in medical school and right. he's married. Yeah, so I do hope that this gets revisited at some point, but I feel like it'll be obscure at some, like by then if they say, oh, yeah, we were married the entire time. Yeah. So I actually don't think it's going to happen. It's just going to get dropped, which is like a very seventh heaven thing to do. All right, so is that about it? Yep, that's it. All right, so we're going to get into Season 7, Episode 3 of 7th Heaven. The title is The Enemy Within, uh, and the German title is The Rescuer in the Emergency. Our IMDb user synopsis is, Ken Smith threatens the church because he disapproves of Mary's relationship with his son. Ben reads Lucy's diary, and Simon's old girlfriend is rumored to be pregnant. Um, So this isn't, like... Although it's a different author who's writing these user summaries now, um, this is still not entirely accurate. Yeah, yeah. Um, So what was your first impression of this episode? I was... I feel like... I think this was another instance, first of all, of, like, experimental filmmaking on on behalf of the Seventh Heaven showrunners. Uh, They decided to do... There's, like, a couple of scenes where they did really weird close-ups and really weird angles where the show, which is, you know, just your regular primetime television show, like, normal family drama, turned into, like, what could be a horror film or even, like, some weird experiment in sci-fi or, like, Blair Witch. I don't know. But um, that I thought was strange. I also think they kind of, like, ham-fisted, I think that's the right word, the uh, Simon storyline... I feel like... What was that phrase? Is it ham-fisted? I don't know what that means, but go with it. <laughs> like, they, 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 um... Ham? Is it ham? Ham? Ham-fisted? Is that the phrase? I don't... Is that the word? Are you looking it up? I am looking it up. Um, 
Yeah, another term for ham-handed. What does that mean? Which means clumsy, bungling. Yeah, okay, so that's exactly what I meant to say. Good. Yeah. Like, I feel like the it wasn't clearly the main storyline this uh, with, like, uh, Claire being pregnant and what to do with the baby, but um, it was, like, very secondary to the show. I feel like they should have put that more front and center. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely was supposed to be the main storyline, I think, uh, of this episode, but it was kind of on the back burner. So let's get into it. We'll start with uh, a very... Strange cold open. Yeah. Uh, the Rev is practicing his sermon, and so he's delivering it, and but it involves him interacting with himself. It's, it's like um, they do this a lot in TV shows where you have one of the characters speaking to a mirror, and then like you, the camera goes to the mirror, and the mirror talks back. Like it's just like the character having yeah, a conversation. Yeah, like he's not with moving his mouth, but we hear like a voiceover of Stephen Collins, like narrating the Rev's thoughts. And this kind of goes on throughout the cold open, and we got we got worried that we were going to get a seventh, an entire episode about being in the Rev's head. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. Uh, he's talking a lot about choices and dilemmas and quieting the voices in your head, which is. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, then. Like, Annie needs help, uh, and the doorbell rings, and this is when Ken Smith shows up. Uh, Ken Smith is played by Pat Boone, who has been in a variety of things, but is most, like, notorious for being a direct descendant of Daniel Boone, the famous American explorer. But anyway, Ken Smith is the father of Jack Smith, who is the pilot that Mary is dating, and he's shown up to the Camden house because um, he is accusing Mary of being this seductress and she seduced his son and his son is very vulnerable. Even though this man is much older than Mary, he's alleging that Mary took advantage of his son. So, um, and he's being a little weird and overprotective. And then the, uh, that's the end of the cold open, but we're going to continue on with that storyline. Yeah. Um, so Ken Smith is there. He begins to have a conversation with the Rev about how, um, oh, he's like, oh, you've probably heard of me because I own a lot of real estate in this area, particularly around your church. And we learn that Ken is playing this game where he's like, you need to get your daughter to break up with my son or else I'm going to sell all of the property around the church to like sex shops and like strip clubs. (laughs) And I think he says movie theaters <laughs> and massage parlors, but sure. But the euphemism of yeah. movie, like, yeah, movie, theater. movie theater is a euphemism for, like, you know, like, porn movie theater. A massage And parlor. massage parlor is not even a euphemism. I think that's just... He, I think he also says bookstores, which... Right, right, which is another the porn shop euphemism. Got it. Okay. That's what this was all supposed to be, yeah, right? Yeah, no, no, I... I okay, I, I, thought, I thought you're, like, acting like I'm crazy, no, but no, that no, was no, definitely no. the implication. No, no, no. But I think it's also, like, if you weren't if you weren't thinking of it that way, you could be also thinking of it just as, like, commercializing the area so it's a nuisance for them. Okay, like bookstores? Bookstores are... That's why I thought it was yeah. weird, but the massage parlors and the movie theaters I was, like, on board with, yeah. yeah. Um, and he also accuses Mary of being a siren... Uh, in the middle of an ocean on a rock, which represents her heart, and that uh, and, and Jack is hitting his head on her stone heart. Yeah. Anyway, we also learn that Jack is widowed, and that's why 
Ken thinks his son is particularly vulnerable. Um, there's a stupid side plot in this where when Ken comes in, he's wearing a hat, he takes it off, he puts it on the table in the foyer of the Camden house, and then when he's leaving, he can't... So anyway, nothing's resolved, and he's they're like, oh, what are we going to do? Um, Ken's leaving, and he can't find the hat, and they're like, oh, the twins must have taken it or something, and for some reason, the whole rest of the episode, everybody in the Camden house is looking for this stupid hat because this guy's like, oh, my father gave it to me on the day that Jack was born. Um, so, th- like, th- yeah, that happens all throughout the rest of the episode. Uh, this t- only ties in, like, th- this really only ties in one other character, and that's Robbie, who, uh, once again, seems to be the only, like, I feel like this is, like, an ongoing theme where he- he's the only person that ever is actually in contact with Mary. Like, the, the brief period of time where nobody was talking to her, he was the only one that was talking to her, and it's happening again. And we don't, like, ex- are not explicitly so- told that he's talking to Mary, but he is on the phone, and he is bringing up things that would be things that he would be saying to Mary, like, thanks for taking my call, sorry about that weird voicemail. Remember, he left her a message talking about wanting to get back together. Uh, when, like I think it was the episode before, two episodes ago or something like that. Um, and... Apparently, this conversation leads to what happens next in the storyline, which is that Jack, I'm sorry, not Jack, Ken comes back and uh, he's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I jumped at, like, jumped your throat about this, but, um, jumped down your throat about this, but. I see you talked to your daughter and you got her to break things off with my son. So now I don't need to, like, destroy the area around the church. And apparently Mary also convinced Jack that, like, it was time that he moved to Glen Oak uh, because, like you said, apparently everybody is from Glen Oak uh, to, like, spend some more time with her, uh, with, uh, with right. his father. Right. Thought, I thought that the reason, well, I know that, like, Jack was stationed in Florida, but I thought he was from Florida. I don't know. I thought that that was, but anyway, everybody in the world lives in Glen Oak. Um, so, every like, everything's great. Uh, the Rev and Annie are really happy because... Their daughter is not dating this really older gentleman. The Ken's happy because his son is not dating a really a younger lady, and uh, yeah, so that's really it. Uh, they we have a kind of strange scene where Annie and the Rev are dancing together, singing goodbye, something, something. I don't know some song. Yeah, um, and that's that. Uh, we will go. We'll move on to um, Lucy and Kevin next. So where we've left off is that... Lucy is the worst. Yeah, actually. And I feel like I say this all the time, but she's finally found her match in somebody who's as worse as she is, as the worst as she is, on the same level of worseness, uh, which is Kevin. Um, So, like, I don't... I want to say, like, oh, they're, you know, they're in a happy relationship, but we just, like, they just resolved one fight, and now they're in a different fight. Um, I guess we should, like, go backwards a we'll little go, bit. We'll backtrack a little bit. Well, the first time we see the Kinkirks, it's because it's when um, Ken Smith is at the Camden house and they're going to take the twins to the park to play football or something, and that's when the twins steal the hat and ha-ha, the hilarity ensues. Um, but they... I, th- I think they get the idea to... Uh, they get somehow get the idea that they need to go snooping and oh they're looking for the hat Mm -hmm. and they go up to mary lucy and ruthie's room and 
Ben is can't like help his curiosity and he's like, oh, I just want to look around a little bit to see if there's any evidence of like where Mary's living now. If I can find a phone number, her new address, like that would just be good because I want to get in contact with her. Um, and Kevin is like, I don't know about this. So Ben finds Lucy's diary and begins reading it. Um, and he claims that he's again, looking for evidence of like Mary's new address, but he's actually just being nosy and Kevin refuses to participate, but I don't know. But he doesn't like stop his brother from really doing it. Um, so Ben inevitably falls asleep on Lucy's bed reading Lucy's diary, which I guess means it's that boring. <laughs> I guess that's the implication. And Lucy finds him. At first she's like, ah, and then she sees, like, what he has in his hand. So she yells at him and wakes him up, and, like, he runs away. And as he's running away, he, like, makes a pit stop to Kevin and, like, reveals one of the phrasing. And I believe the phrase is that, um... Kevin lights of passion in Lucy that she fears can't be quenched. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Um, that, like, it's too powerful, and that's what scares her. And so Ben runs out to go pick up Ruthie, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, and Lucy, like, comes down and is like, what did he tell you? What did he tell you? And they get into this conversation about how Lucy shouldn't have a diary because she's older now. Um and that she should just be saying what she means out loud instead of writing it in a diary because Kevin always speaks his mind. And then somehow this pivots to um, Lucy being like, oh, have you ever been with a woman? Um, And I'm not exactly sure why, because, like, is there something in Lucy's diary about her having been with someone? And Kevin basically says... Yes, because he's like, oh, I'm 25 years old and I'm a man and I have needs, which I think is in Seventh Heaven Roundabout speak is basically yes. Um, But for some reason, Lucy doesn't get that message. Um, And it becomes her mission to find out this information now for the rest of the episode. I'd just like to say that uh, I don't know if like Seventh Heaven was trying to do this like purposefully, but I'm going to dissect it because that's what we do here on Camdencast. A couple of things. First... Uh, I did, like, I think it's okay that Lucy has a diary or a journal or whatever, like, in what, I don't really think it matters how old she is. It's, I don't know if you disagree. No, 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 I do. I don't think that that matters. I think that that's like something that people use as like therapeutic or they like to like look back on, um, how they, you know, just keep diaries to see like what, how they looked at things while they were happening versus like if, you know, they wait a few months and look back on it and see how things, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it, it's I, good for like introspection and right. just, or just like sometimes if you don't want to talk to anyone about anything, you could just like write it down and then have it out there and maybe feel there are a lot of different reasons yeah, why, I, yeah. Why people can keep a diary, I, um, cause they, like a journal, a lot of the, whatever they, she keeps calling it a journal. Yeah. Like that makes a difference. Cause a lot of the episode is like people making fun of her for it. And I don't think it's something that is like necessarily a bad thing, especially with somebody like Lucy who is so overtly emotional. So it makes sense for her to like want to put some of those emotions down on paper. The second thing is, I don't know if they were trying to do this, like I said, but, uh, the whole idea of Lucy not speaking her mind and then Kevin speaking his mind, like he's very straightforward and stuff. I thought was maybe could potentially, and you could like disagree with me if you want, a play at like, you know, the gender dynamics of like, oh, no one understands what women are saying because they're like constantly hiding things. Whereas men are like meant to be like straightforward and taught like, like, you know, very much at face value, 
Which, yeah, and on the flip side of that, Kevin is just like simple. Right. So. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but that like that kind of continues on in that uh, like Kevin is clearly in trouble, I guess, with Lucy and Lucy. I, this is the one thing I have to say I dislike about Lucy. Anytime there's like a bump in the road at all with Kevin or anyone, she wants to break up with that person. She's like thinking that, oh, if he has slept with somebody else, I'm going to break up with him. Um, but she gets like a talk. She talks with Robbie. She's like, do you know if he's been with someone? Robbie's like, why would I know more about Kevin than you do? And um, she talks with like Annie, who like is like, I think you're making a mistake if you decide to break up with him. Uh, she like at one point is about to go into the garage apartment when no one's there and do some snooping of her own, which is when the Rev says... Sometimes you're your own worst enemy, which I've just realized is why it's called the enemy within, because you're your own worst enemy. Yeah. yeah. I didn't get that until <laughs> until literally just now. All right. Well, yeah. Um, and this just kind of ends with Kevin being like, I love you. Um, He's like, I don't care. He's like, it's totally personal. If you've been with another man, I don't care. Um, so he's like, that's, that's totally like... Uh, I don't know. So, but Lucy's like, oh, but I haven't been. And he's like, well, that's totally personal anyway. You didn't need to tell me that. I don't care. So obviously Kevin is like, he knew that Lucy's answer was going to be like, no, I have never been with anyone. And he, he, he just wants to like sweep it under the rug right. because he doesn't want to be like, oh, well, actually I have, so. but I, I think that's, I wish that they, I don't know if they're going to explore that dy- dynamic anymore after this, but I think it'd be interesting to have that like as a storyline in a show like seventh heaven. To I mean, have- they should because the, not even like the King Kirks haven't been shown to be like super religious or even like, like you get the idea they're generally like good people, but they're not like bound or like really hold themselves to any religious standards or whatever. So, and we do know that they're like, I think they said they were Catholic. So like they're of different faiths and they might have different beliefs or like the Camdens obviously are a little bit more strict with their beliefs. So it would just be interesting to see them explore, um, just like the differences in like upbringing that the, that Lucy and Kevin have had so far, because while they are very similar, um, I think there are kind of stark contrasts between like the way that they were brought up, just seeing like the way that Kevin and Ben interact versus the way that like we know the Camdens are. Um, especially because we haven't really, because obviously he's going to be a far more permanent member of this family than anyone else that's come into Lucy or Mary's life before. I mean, Robbie has kind of come into his own, but I say like Sarah and Matt, we've, we didn't really get a chance to know Sarah other than like as... As... The wife. Yeah. Or like as, you know, the, like the Jewish contrast, right? Like, yeah, that was, yeah. Like, that was it. Um, so we're going to move on to the other Kinkirk brother because apparently this show is no longer about the Camdens. It's about the Kinkirks. Those wacky Kinkirks. Um, so, like everyone's busy and, oh wait, okay, so Ruthie is at school and some girl comes up to her and is like, oh, you're a monkey lover or whatever. Um, and Ruthie's boyfriend from the last episode appears and is like, what's his name? Just, wasn't it like Jake or something? I just, made, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, think I, you're right. I just made Jake. that up. I yeah, think it's Jake. I think it might be Jake. Either that or I made that up, but, um, we'll go with Jake for now. So, um, Jake shows up and is like, oh, I think it's cool that you are friends with a monkey. Like you should punch this girl in the face. And 
Ruthie's like, nah. And at that time, nobody, the Camden house was available to pick up Ruthie. So Ben shows up to pick her up at school. Um, he comes and he's like, oh, what's going on here? He sees that Ruthie's clearly being teased. And this girl calls Ben a big ape. Um, or just an ape. No, a big a, ape. A big ape. And um, she's like, oh, this is your other monkey friend. This guy's like a big ape. So <laughs> Ben, um, being very mature, um, has like a gut reaction and is like, oh, well, you're like a little brat. Or he says something a to munchkin. that. A munchkin. A munchkin. Um, and this girl starts crying. Um, well, as fake a, crying. Yeah, fake crying as a teacher walks by to get the attention. And then... I think it's like the principal actually. Yeah, yeah. And the principal is like, Ruthie, who the hell is this? Why is he calling like elementary school children names? Um, and he tries to explain himself, but they're like, we need to call the Camdens before we let you take Ruthie home with you because we don't know who you are. Which is good protocol, but you know, silly. Uh, in that, I feel like Ruthie could very easily, I guess, no, I guess that's a good thing to do because Ruthie might be under duress if she says, yeah. I do know him. Um, I will say that the little child also uses Ben's like stature to as like oh this big man, which I was which I think is really funny because Ben is kind of like big. He's a, he's a big guy. So he it, it could be very imposing for him to call a child a munchkin and be like listen here. So in the principal's office, we have a retelling of like Ben's history with the Camdens, and this woman's like, why are you here if you're Mary's old boyfriend? They're like talking about how Mary's dating. How he hopes to be her new boyfriend again. And like how Mary's dating Jack and da da da. Um, but um, they're waiting in the principal's office for a police officer to come because the Camdens aren't picking up their phone because Robbie's on the phone with Mary. Um, but the police officer is Kevin, and he is a horrible police officer because he doesn't check his messages. Um, We'll get back to... And neither does his partner, Roxanne. Yeah. Why is he? Why is it all on him? No, no, you're completely right. Uh, I can't Roxanne stand seems, her. Roxanne seems to know that there's a message, so I don't know why she didn't check. Like, she's like, I told you. She's trying to get Kevin in trouble. Um, we'll get to what happens at the police station before this uh, in Simon's storyline, but Roxanne and Kevin show up. There's a bit of, like, joking, like, oh, I don't know this man from Kevin about Ben. But it's all, like, resolved. Uh, the main point of the scene was to introduce Roxanne to Ben. Um, Although I don't think anything ever comes of it. But Roxanne is just like, oh, that's your brother? I knew, oh, like, I need to date him or something. She's trying to get fixed up with Ben. Um, which is strange because she was just on a date with Robbie. So, I don't, I mean. Yeah, whatever. That was Power like, to you. That was, like, middle school love. Right, I guess that's true. This is new love, apparently. And Ben is apparently the specimen, like a male specimen in Seventh Heaven Land because everybody thinks he's like the most good-looking person in the world. Um, ben and Ruthie come... Well, Ben and Ruthie go out for dinner after this and Ben buys Ruthie the biggest steak on the menu because this is Ben's goodbye dinner. Um, I really like... Ruthie's relationship with the people, like Ruthie's different relationships with people outside the family and inside the family. Or with just like the significant others of her siblings. Yeah. Like I think, you know, like last season we saw with Sarah, she had a pretty like kind of funny relationship. I, she has a great relationship with Robbie who is considered a part of the family now, but also with um, like with Kevin, they have like an interesting dynamic. Uh, and obviously with Ben, he's like kind of like, He's taken to her. Um, this is when we find out from Ben that he 
well, Ben finds out that Mary and Jack have broken up, but he's like, I'm going back to Buffalo. I begged my um, chief to give me my job back. It's like, I don't think this is a good idea. And then apparently he's going to try it out with his ex-girlfriend. I don't know, but mm. bye, Ben. Bye. Um, yeah, I think, well, I don't know if he's gone. For, he's obviously not gone for good because Kevin is still in the picture. So I think as long as Kevin's in the picture, like... Ben's on the picture. Ben, ben gets, like, they throw him a bone and a paycheck every once in a while and have him on the show. I wonder, I was I was going to talk about this during the, when we were watching, but I'll just bring it up now. I wonder what the, like, history is of how they both got on the show. Like, I wonder if one of them auditioned for the part of Ben and then he was like, oh, I have a brother. Mm-hmm. And, like, that one audition. Or maybe... If you know the answer to this yeah. question, please let us know. Like, how did they both get on the show? Were they both, like signed on together or what or maybe like was the casting call for brothers like yeah so or maybe like kevin's actor tried out for ben and they're like we like you but for somebody else like who knows um but yeah so we'll go on to the last storyline now which is uh, arguably the main one even though it's not Um, given i just want to take a sidebar before we get to that and say that um we never wrapped this up but Ken Smith does indeed get his hat back. One of the twins has it in his pants all day. And he comes. He finally comes back later in the day and gets his hat back. Um, I thought, oh yeah, that's true. Um, so Simon, as we know, we ended the last episode with Cecilia telling Simon that one of the girls he was doing his like dating service with is apparently pregnant and they think that it's Simon's kid. Um, Simon, our first look at Simon is him and Cecilia talking. Unfortunately, this is the only glimpse of Cecilia we get in the entire episode, uh, where she's like, what did she say? Like, where did her cleavage come from? And, uh, Simon's like, where all cleavage comes from? Yeah. Um, so Simon is still paying for his little, I don't know, um. Escort service? Escort service. Um, he keeps saying that like, oh, we only went out a week ago. That doesn't make any sense. Then they say, oh, she's telling people that you went out a year ago, which also makes no sense because she would have had this baby already if that was the case. Uh, so this storyline was really confusing because eventually Simon's like, I'm just going to talk to her about it. So he confronts her in the school hallway by her locker and she like is, it's correct that she is wearing baggy clothes like Cecilia mentions. Um, but it, the way their conversation goes makes it seem like she's in an abusive out household and not that she's pregnant. Like, like that she's obviously afraid of her dad. Right, and this wasn't explored enough, I don't think, yeah. because her fear, they made it about Simon instead of making it about her, and it definitely should have been about her. Uh, um, but she says like how she can't let her parents know that she's pregnant because... Um, her father, will, her parents will kill her. Her father will kill her. So I don't know. And it's not one of those things where, you know, when somebody's just like, oh, my God, that person's going to kill me. No, like she's like, clearly very afraid for her life because she's like, not only will he kill me, but he'll kill my mother. And she said and she said something about um, trying to basically she alluded to like getting rid of the baby. And I was like, oh, is Simon going to try to keep her like from having an abortion? But no, that's never the option on Seventh Heaven. Um, so, but yeah. like, we also have no idea how pregnant she. Like, we never see her, like, stomach or whatever. So, this was all very confusing and didn't really seem to move in the right. Yeah. At the right pace. 
Yeah, it didn't seem to go logically at all. Um, so Simon realizes what's up. Like, I actually, I don't even know what's up. Like, so she, uh, what's clear is that she, do, she is pregnant and she doesn't want the child because of the consequences in like that will happen in our household. So Simon goes to the police station to find out if California is a state where you can legally leave a baby at like, you know, a fire station or a police station or a hospital, or if you could be like, or if that's illegal. Um, this is when he has his conversation with Kevin and with Roxanne who are both unhelpful. And Sergeant Michaels is the one that tells him that like you can't do that in California. So Simon No, goes, he says you can. Yeah, he can. That's oh, it sounded like you said can't. Oh, I'm sorry. I said can. Um, and he goes home and he kind of like collects all the phones in his room and is waiting for a phone call from um, Claire. Claire calls him from a phone booth and says it's done. Which, which means that she just gave birth and nobody knew about it. She just all by herself birthed a child cut the umbilical cord, she's got this baby, and she did it all, <laughs> Claire's stronger than we could have ever imagined, um, and she tells Simon that she's gonna leave it in the phone booth that they talked about, so she's just gonna leave her baby in a phone booth. And the thing is, the way that they filmed this, it wasn't like she was holding the baby in her arms, or you could see the baby on, like, in a, like, in a baby thing, in a baby holder, in, like, the phone booth. Like, everything was from, I want to say, like, the Like neck. a baby Bjorn or, yeah. like, a stroller. It was from, like, the neck up. So you couldn't see anything. And, like, so I had no idea where this, ba- like, newborn baby was. Because she was, both of her arms were, like, out. It was, she wasn't holding anything. Yeah. So it was very confusing, like. She was holding the phone. Yeah. And she had her backpack. And then I was confused because I thought the baby was in the backpack for a hot second. Like, it was not, I don't know. I was getting all these crazy ideas. I, like, honestly thought it might have been, like, a stillborn baby. Like, I had no idea what was happening. Um, but that's the end of Claire, because Simon, like, is like, are you sure that you don't want to go to the hospital? Like, I saw my mom giving birth. It's a thing. And she's like, no, it's over. And he's really, like, emotionally upset about all this, like, having to... Yeah. So Simon is still on restriction from getting caught um, with the... from doing the escort service. Um, but after he gets off the phone with Claire, he kind of springs into action and he runs into the Camerons in the hallway and he's like, uh, I can't, you can't ask any questions or whatever, but I really need to, I need to be able to go out right now to help a friend who's in some serious trouble. Um, I need to just be like an adult now and I'm not in any trouble. Everything's going to be fine, but I just really need to do this and I really don't want you to ask any questions. And then the Rev asks if he wants him to come along with him. And he's like, of course I want you to come along, but you can't. I have to do this by myself now. So the final scene of the episode... Is it the final scene of the episode? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, is Simon sitting in his car outside of the hospital with the baby in his arms. And he sheds like a single tear. And then he gets out of the car and he goes... And he gives it to a nurse uh, at the hospital who, says, who just says, God bless. And we have this, and we have Sergeant Michaels watching all of this go down from his own car. And both of them kind of smile at the nurse and Sergeant Michaels smile at Simon for doing the Lord's work. Yeah, um, just like his father. And that's it. That's it. Um, 
so yeah what would i you enjoyed this? this episode i'm gonna give it a four huh four out of seven that's like a little bit better than 50 percent yeah, yeah. Maybe sixty percent. Okay, I'm gonna give it a four point five. Then I'll bump it up. Okay, uh, I'm going to counteract you and give it a three point five, which Ooh. is exactly half. Um, it wasn't bad, but it also wasn't good. I don't know. I've, I don't think the storyline was done well. I've, there was a lot of missing information. Like she went. Oh well, absolutely. The whole thing with like first of all, she went from zero to birthing in like five seconds. Yeah. Like <laughs> legitimately. Uh, yeah. And whether Simon went out with her last year or last week, there's no way that this is his baby. Right. So where did the baby, like all of this. Whose baby is it? it? Yeah. Like what about like our, like, I don't know. It was a chance to have many different oh, conversations. And also we learned. Yeah. And one thing that we kind of glossed over was that we learned that Claire was using Simon's escort service because she was like, I just wanted to get out of my house. I can't be around my like parents. So we definitely was some backstory where like Claire's, like coming from an abusive home right. and it was just never addressed. It was just like, Oh, she's got this other problem with the baby. I guess I'll give credit in the fact that there was no, like no, con- like no, I don't know, no pushing from Simon one way or another, like forcing uh, Claire's hand, like decision wise. Like she was very clearly like going to give birth. I'm assuming she was uh, like obviously enough ahead in her pregnancy that she, even if yeah, she that wanted that was the only option. Right, exactly. So she gave birth, but there was no, like, keep the baby or take care of the baby or, you know, but, like, he was very much like, okay, what do you need help with? What do you want to do? And he kind of, like, followed her wishes. So that's good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we... Uh, who knows what we'll show you on our social media? Yeah. Uh, but you will know if you follow us there, and you can do that uh, on twitter.com. Uh, slash Camden Cash Show on uh, Instagram.com, Instagram Camden Cash Show, or on Facebook, uh, which is just Camden Cast. We uh, upload every Wednesday and Saturday um, on iTunes, uh, the iTunes Apple Podcast, or on SoundCloud.com slash Camden Cast, or on Stitcher. I am Tambi. I'm Erin. This is Camden Cast. Camden.